Chapter thirty seven, part three of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years Recollections of P. T. Barnum, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Struggles and Triumphs of P. T. Barnum, Chapter thirty seven, Mr. and Mrs. General Tom Thumb, part three i promised secrecy and the general retired in as happy a mood as i ever saw him lavinia also retired but not a hint did she give to the young lady with whom she slept regarding the engagement indeed our family plied her upon the subject the next day but not a breath passed her lips that would give the slightest indication of what had transpired she was quite sociable with the commodore and as the general concluded to go home the next morning the commodore's equanimity and good feelings were fully restored the general made a call of half an hour sunday evening and managed to have an interview with lavinia the next morning she and the commodore returned to new york in good spirits i remaining in bridgeport the general called me on monday however bringing a very nice letter which he had written to lavinia's mother he had concluded to send this letter by his trusty friend mr george a wells instead of going himself and he had just seen mr wells who had consented to go to middleborough with the letter the following day and to urge the general's suit if it should be necessary the general went to new york on wednesday and was there to await mr wells arrival on wednesday morning the general and lavinia walked into my office and after closing the door the little general said mr barnum i want somebody to tell the commodore that lavinia and i are engaged for i am afraid there will be a row when he hears of it do it yourself general i replied oh said the general almost shuddering i would not dare to do it he might knock me down i will do it said lavinia and it was at once arranged that i should call the commodore and lavinia into my office and either she or myself would tell him the general of course vamoosed when the commodore joined us and the door was closed i said commodore do you know what this little witch has been doing no i don't he answered well she has been cutting up one of the greatest pranks you ever heard of i replied she almost deserves to be shut up for daring to do it can't you guess what she has done he mused a moment and then looking at me said in a low voice and with a serious-looking face engaged yes i said absolutely engaged to be married to general tom thumb did you ever hear of such a thing is that so lavinia asked the commodore looking her earnestly in the face that is so said lavinia and mr wells has gone to obtain my mother's consent the commodore turned pale and choked a little as if he was trying to swallow something then turning on his heel he said in a broken voice i hope you may be happy as he passed out of the door a tear rolled down his cheek that is pretty hard i said to lavinia i am very sorry she replied but i could not help it that diamond and emerald ring which you bade me present in my name has caused all this trouble half an hour after this incident the commodore came to my office and said mr barnum do you think it would be right for miss warren to marry charlie stratton if her mother should object i saw that the little fellow had still a slight hope to hang on and i said no indeed it would not be right well she says she shall marry him anyway that she gives her mother the chance to consent 
but if she objects she will have her own way and marry him said the commodore on the contrary i replied i will not permit it she is engaged to go to europe for me and i will not release her if her mother does not fully consent to her marrying tom thumb the commodore's eyes glistened with pleasure as he replied between you and me mr barnum i don't believe she will give her consent but the next day dissipated his hopes mr wells returned saying that lavinia's mother at first objected for she feared it was a contrivance to get them married for the promotion of some pecuniary advantage but upon reading the letter from the general and one still more urgent from lavinia and also upon hearing from mr wells that in case of their marriage i should cancel all claims i had upon lavinia's services she consented after the commodore had heard the news i said to him never mind commodore minnie warren is a much better match for you she is a charming little creature and two years younger than you while lavinia is several years your senior i thank you sir replied the commodore pompously i would not marry the best woman living i don't believe in women anyway i then suggested that he should stand with little minnie as groom and bridesmaid at the approaching wedding no sir replied the commodore emphatically i won't do it that idea was therefore abandoned a few weeks subsequently when time had reconciled the commodore he told me that tom thumb had asked him to stand as groom with minnie at the wedding and he was going to do so when i asked you a few weeks ago you refused i said it was not your business to ask me replied the commodore pompously when the proper person invited me i accepted of course the approaching wedding was announced it created an immense excitement lavinia's levees at the museum were crowded to suffocation and her photographic pictures were in great demand for several weeks she sold more than three hundred dollars worth of her cartes de visite each day and the daily receipts at the museum were frequently over three thousand dollars i engaged the general to exhibit and to assist her in the sale of pictures to which his own photograph of course was added i could afford to give them a fine wedding and i did so the little couple made a personal application to bishop potter to perform the nuptial ceremony and obtained his consent but the matter became public an outside pressure from some of the most squeamish of his clergy was brought to bear upon the bishop and he rescinded his engagement this fact of itself as well as the opposition that caused it only added to the notoriety of the approaching wedding and increased the crowds at the museum the financial result to me was a piece of good fortune which i was of course quite willing to accept though in this instance the advertisement so far as the fact of the betrothal of the parties with its preliminaries were concerned was not of my seeking as the recital now given shows but seeing the turn it was taking in crowding the museum and pouring money into the treasury i did not hesitate to seek continued advantage from the notoriety of the prospective marriage accordingly i offered the general and lavinia fifteen thousand dollars if they would postpone the wedding for a month and continue their exhibitions at the museum not for fifty thousand dollars said the general excitedly good for you charlie said lavinia only you ought to have said not for a hundred thousand for i would not they both laughed heartily at what they considered my discomfiture and such looked at from a business point of view it certainly was 
the wedding day approached and the public excitement grew for several days i might say weeks the approaching marriage of tom thumb was the new york sensation for proof of this i did not need what however was ample the newspaper paragraphs a surer index was in the crowds that passed into the museum and the dollars that found their way into the ticket office it was suggested to me that a small fortune in itself could be easily made out of the excitement let the ceremony take place in the academy of music charge a big price for admission and the citizens will come in crowds i have no manner of doubt that in this way twenty five thousand dollars could easily have been obtained but i had no such thought i had promised to give the couple a genteel and graceful wedding and i kept my word the day arrived tuesday february tenth eighteen sixty three the ceremony was to take place in grace church new york the rev junius willie rector of st john's church in bridgeport assisted by the late rev dr taylor of grace church was to officiate the organ was played by morgan i know not what better i could have done had the wedding of a prince been in contemplation the church was comfortably filled by a highly select audience of ladies and gentlemen none being admitted except those having cards of invitation among them were governors of several of the states to whom i had sent cards and such of those as could not be present in person were represented by friends to whom they had given their cards members of congress were present also generals of the army and many other prominent public men numerous applications were made from wealthy and distinguished persons for tickets to witness the ceremony and as high as sixty dollars was offered for a single admission but not a ticket was sold and tom thumb and lavinia warren were pronounced man and wife before witnesses the following entirely authentic correspondence the only suppression being the name of the person who wrote to dr taylor and to whom dr taylor's reply is addressed shows how a certain would-be witness was not a witness of the famous wedding in other particulars the correspondence speaks for itself to the rev dr taylor sir the object of my unwillingly addressing you this note is to inquire what right you had to exclude myself and other owners of the pews in grace church from entering it yesterday enforced too by a cordon of police for that purpose if my pew is not my property i wish to know it and if it is i deny your right to prevent me from occupying it whenever the church is open even at a marriage of montebanks which i would not take the trouble to cross the street to witness respectfully your obedient servant w s eight o four broadway new york february sixteenth eighteen sixty three mr w s dear sir i am sorry my valued friend that you should have written me the peppery letter that is now before me if the matter of which you complain be so utterly insignificant and contemptible as a marriage of montebanks which you would not take the trouble to cross the street to witness it surprises me that you should have made such strenuous but ill-directed efforts to secure a ticket of admission and why permit me to ask in the name of reason and philosophy do you still suffer it to disturb you so sadly it would perhaps be a sufficient answer to your letter to say that your cause of complaint exists only in your imagination 
you have never been excluded from your pew as rector i am the only custodian of the church and you will hardly venture to say that you have ever applied to me for permission to enter and been refused here i might safely rest and leave you to the comfort of your own reflections in the case but as you in common with many other worthy persons would seem to have very crude notions as to your rights of property in pews you will pardon me for saying that a pew in a church is property only in a peculiar and restricted sense it is not property as your house or your horse is property it vests you with no fee in the soil you cannot use it in any way and in every way and at all times as your pleasure or caprice may dictate you cannot put it to any common or unhallowed uses you cannot remove it nor injure it nor destroy it in short you hold by purchase and may sell the right to the undisturbed possession of that little space within the church edifice which you call your pew during the hours of divine service but even that right must be exercised decorously and with a decent regard for time and place or else you may at any moment be ignominiously ejected from it i regret to be obliged to add that by the law of custom you may during those said hours of divine service but at no other time sleep in your pew you must however do so noiselessly and never to the disturbance of your sleeping neighbours your property in your pew has this extent and nothing more now if mr w s were at any time to come to me and say sir i would that you should grant me the use of grace church for a solemn service a marriage a baptism or a funeral as the case may be and as it is desirable that the feelings of the parties should be protected as far as possible from the impertinent intrusion and disturbance of a crowd from the streets and lanes of the city i beg that no one may be admitted within the doors of the church during the very few moments that we expect to be there but our invited friends only it would certainly in such a case be my pleasure to comply with your request and to meet your wishes in every particular and i think that even mr w s will agree that all this would be entirely reasonable and proper then tell me how would such a case differ from the instance of which you complain two young persons whose only crimes would seem to be that they are neither so big nor so stupid nor so ill-mannered nor so inordinately selfish as some other people come to me and say sir we are about to be married and we wish to throw around our marriage all the solemnities of religion we are strangers in your city and as there is no clergyman here standing in a pastoral relation to us we have ventured to ask the favor of the bishop of new york to marry us and he has kindly consented to do so may we then venture a little further and request the use of your church in which the bishop may perform the marriage service we assure you sir that we are no shams no cheats no mountebanks we are neither monsters nor abortions it is true we are little but we are as god made us perfect in our littleness sir we are simply man and woman of like passions and infirmities with you and other mortals the arrangements for our marriage are controlled by no showman and we are sincerely desirous that everything should be ordered with the most scrupulous regard to decorum we hope to invite our relations and intimate friends together with such persons as may in other years have extended civilities to either of us but we pledge ourselves to you most sacredly that no invitation can be bought with money 
permit us to say further that as we would most gladly escape from the insulting jeers and ribald sneers and coarse ridicule of the unthinking multitude without we pray you to allow us at our own proper charges so to guard the avenues of access from the street as to prevent all unseemly tumult and disorder i tell you sir that whenever and from whomsoever such an appeal is made to my christian courtesy although it should come from the very humblest of the earth i would go calmly and cheerfully forward to meet their wishes although as many w s s as would reach from here to kamchatka clothed in furs and frowns should rise up to oppose me in conclusion i will say that if the marriage of charles s stratton and lavinia warren is to be regarded as a pageant then it was the most beautiful pageant it has ever been my privilege to witness if on the contrary it is rather to be thought of as a solemn ceremony then it was as touchingly solemn as a wedding can possibly be rendered it is true the bishop was not present but mr stratton's own pastor the rev mr willie of bridgeport connecticut read the service with admirable taste and impressiveness and the bride was given away by her mother's pastor and her own next friend a venerable congregational clergyman from massachusetts surely there was never a gathering of so many hundreds of our best people when everybody appeared so delighted with everything surely it is no light thing to call forth so much innocent joy in so few moments of passing time surely it is no light thing thus to smooth the roughness and sweeten the acerbities which mar our happiness as we advance upon the wearing journey of life sir it was most emphatically a high triumph of christian civilization respectfully submitted by your obedient servant thomas house taylor several thousand persons attended the reception of mr and mrs tom thumb the same day at the metropolitan hotel after this they started on a wedding tour taking washington in their way they visited president lincoln at the white house after a couple of weeks they returned and as they then supposed retired to private life habit however is indeed second nature the general and his wife had been accustomed to excitement and after a few months retirement they again longed for the peculiar pleasures of a public life and the public were eager to welcome them once more they resumed their public career and have since travelled several years in europe and considerably in this country holding public exhibitions more than half the time and spending the residue in leisurely viewing such cities and portions of the country as they may happen to be in commodore nutt and minnie warren i should add usually travel with them i met the little commodore last summer after his absence in europe of three years and said are you not married yet commodore no sir my fruit is plucked he replied you don't mean to say you will never marry i remarked no not exactly replied the commodore complacently but i have concluded not to marry until i am thirty i suppose you intend to marry one of your size i said i am not particular in that respect but seeing my jocose mood he continued with a comical leer i think i should prefer marrying a good green country girl to anybody else this was said with a degree of nonchalance which none can appreciate who do not know him to make sure that a lack of memory has not misled me as to any of the facts in regard to the courtship and wedding of tom thumb and lavinia warren 
i will here say that after writing out the story i read it to the parties personally interested and they give me leave to say that in all particulars it is a correct statement of the affair except that lavinia remarked well mr barnum your story don't lose any by the telling and the commodore denies the rolling tear when informed of the engagement of the little pair in june eighteen sixty nine the report was started for the third or fourth time in the newspapers that commodore nutt and miss minnie warren were married this time at west haven in connecticut the story was wholly untrue nor do i think that such a wedding is likely to take place for on the principle that people like their opposites minnie and the commodore are likely to marry persons whom they can literally look up to that is if either of them marries at all it will be a tall partner soon after the wedding of general tom thumb and lavinia warren a lady came to my office and called my attention to a little six-page pamphlet which she said she had written entitled priests and pygmies and requested me to read it i glanced at the title and at once estimating the character of the publication i promptly declined to devote any portion of my valuable time to its perusal but you had better look at it mr barnum it deeply interests you and you may think it worth your while to buy it certainly i will buy it if you desire said i tendering her a sixpence which i supposed to be the price of the little pamphlet oh you quite misunderstand me i mean by the copyright in the entire edition with a view of suppressing the work it says some frightful things i assure you urged the author i lay back in my chair and fairly roared at this exceedingly feeble attempt at blackmail but persisted the lady suppose it says that your museum and grace church are all one what then my dear madam i replied you may say what you please about me or about my museum you may print a hundred thousand copies of a pamphlet stating that i stole the communion service after the wedding from grace church altar or anything else you choose to write only have the kindness to say something about me and then come to me and i will properly estimate the money value of your services to me as an advertising agent good morning madam and she departed end of chapter thirty seven part three